sacrifices everything in order to be right, is what the elder brother is doing. Um, this book has forced me once again to look at my own elder brotherishness, and um, not that I, I know I'm not the full-blown kind, um, which is even uh, all the more dangerous in some ways because uh, you get in that mode of saying, "Well, I'm not that elder brother either." But there is a lot of elder brotherishness in me, and uh, so I've been forced to look at that again. And um, the way it man- has manifest- manifested itself in my own life recently was uh, we've actually made, uh, for those of us on the staff in Vestry, we have made a very significant journey since uh, middle of December, latter December, to where we were at the annual celebration when we launched Vision 2013, the Great Call Outward. Uh, that has been about a seven or eight week journey uh, with its own ups and downs and challenges and trying to uh, 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 frame it, be clear about it, articulate it, launch it, and as we move forward with new plans for 2013. And then right after that, I had the privilege of flying to Vir- Northern Virginia to spend time with my uh, college roommate, who is still a dear uh, best friend of mine and a beloved brother in Christ as well. And so wonderful three or four days with, with him. And when I came home, um, it's like I hit a wall <laughs> and a, of depression uh, when we were praying about these mountains that the Lord would remove, singing about these mountains. Uh, th- that's been my mountain uh, since I came back. Um, sometimes it's more severe and sometimes it's less severe. And so this was at least a significant hill of depression that I'm trying to extract myself from. And there's a problem right there. Part of the problem is I'm trying to extract myself from. You see how quickly we get into that kind of elder brotherish work of trying to save ourselves. So um, uh, just uh, have, have, to, have to name that and deal with my own elder brotherishness and um, realize that my dependency, my emotional well-being, my emotional health is totally dependent, not on what I do or say or am, but upon the Lord as well. So uh, this, this particular chapter has been very meaningful to me. I, I need my notes here a little bit. Um, I, I love this chapter. It's my favorite chapter in the book, uh, chapter 5. And um, I have read it a number of times and have been refreshed by it every time. The only problem is, you know, you mark a really good line in it, and then you go back and read it again, and you say, well, this is a really good line too. And then you mark it again, and pretty soon I've, got, I've essentially got the whole chapter marked up. And you know, so there's nothing that stands out because it all stands out. Um, but you know, this one is the one that has the, the, the story of the Vietnam, uh, the brother searching for his brother during the war of Vietnam. Such a moving story. And uh, the, the book that's been published about that some few years ago now, and uh, who was um, uh, honored on all sides uh, because of uh, his pure quest simply to find, um, you know, uh, his brother. And this also has a story which simply moves me to tears even reading it. And I've never even seen this movie, but I'd like to see it. The Three Seasons movie and describing one of the vignettes where um, Hai, H-A-I, or Hay is in love with the prostitute Lon, who is a prostitute simply by economic circumstances and um, is desperately trying to get herself uh, established um, out of that life, be freed from that life, but has to do it to survive, which is the wartime story of many a woman in war. And this is out of the Vietnam War. And uh, Hai, who purchases her services for the night, remember that part of the story, and uh, 
and so that she can sleep um, um, untouched and sleep a full night in a huge hotel bed. And he's there not to use her, but to serve her and give her her heart's desire. Now, that's, um, that's a beautiful love. That's chapter 5, some of those elements. Because remember a week ago, we ended with a cliffhanger that at the end of chapter 4, that uh, Keller's comment is Jesus deliberately left someone out of this parable. And he goes on and says in the last sentence, he did this so that we would look for him, find him, and find our own way home at last, whether we're younger brother or elder brother, as difficult as it can be for an elder brother. The one left out of the story is the true elder brother, because how different this parable could have been and would have been if the elder brother was a true elder brother, and when the younger brother went off, that the elder brother would go find him and rescue him, and he can't do that. He's lost in his own self-righteousness. So we have two issues here, is our need to find, encounter that elder brother for ourselves, the one whose name is Jesus, who will wrap us up in his loving arms, meeting us wherever we are, and will pursue us and pursue us until he finds us. And then the second challenge is, and what will we say to him when he finds us? Don't need you, Jesus. I'll handle this myself. Don't want you, Jesus. Don't believe in you, Jesus. Whatever, however we put up that, that, that false front, if you will, that task is to find him. So... Um, Gosh, there are two incredible blessings here. One blessing is when you can raise your hand and say, he found me, you know, Gert Bahanna. He found me, Mike Lumpkin. He found me, thanks be to God, years ago and continues to find me. And so one of those great occasions where you can raise your hand, he, he found me too. And then the other great occasion is when you become the elder brother also like unto Jesus. In every story of a rescue, there is somebody involved who introduces that person to Jesus. Gerpa Hannah tells that story of her own rescue by a couple that invited her to supper in the midst of her drunken stupor, alcohol, stupor alcoholism, and they are the true elder brother and sister uh, one of my other favorite stories is uh, in this big old anthology of English verse. It's uh, Francis Thompson, who was a, um, a failed medical school student, brilliant but failed student, a failed seminary student, brilliant but failed. And he becomes so discouraged with his life, he turns to uh, uh, the addiction, uh, addictions, and uh, his addiction is opium, and uh, this is late 19th century, and he is lost and literally in the gutters of London, totally separated from his family. And uh, there is a publisher-editor couple that find him, see his verse coincidentally, and they are very committed Christians, and they reach out to Francis, and he, he uh, is rescued from the gutter. So he, he writes this incredible poem, which is one of the most difficult poems in the world to read. 
and to understand it is, um, it ref- is reflective of his great intellect. But perhaps you can get a taste of this. Uh, and I've shared this with you before. You may remember this point, but it's one of the ones I come back to when I think of chapter 5. Uh, this is Francis describing his own life. I fled him, capital H. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. He, he uh, didn't know Jesus for a long, long time. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. We can get ourselves all tied up in our own intellectual knots of disbelief. And under running laughter, upvisted hopes I sped and shot precipitated adown titanic glooms of chasmid fears. That drug addiction which took him up and down and out and into just crazy places of the world. And he says, um, he speaks of the hound of heaven. He's never named in the poem. It's only the title of the poem. And the hound is not normally a kind of a favorable picture of God. But this is how Francis experienced him as the unrelenting bloodhound searching out this lost man. And so he says, but those strong feet with a capital F. This is the, the hound whose feet has a capital F because it's him with a capital H. But those strong feet that followed, followed after. But with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy. Hope you can see that huge bloodhound. You know, they can be 100 pounds, these big ones. With big plodding feet, just pursuing, pursuing. He's on the trail of Francis. Deliberate speed, majestic instancy, they beat. And a voice beat more instant than the feet. And it was the voice of love and the voice of Jesus for Francis. And because of this couple's intervention, they introduce him to Jesus. And he's enabled to write a poem like The Hound of Heaven to describe his own rescue. One of the added insights I have gotten from this chapter personally, I think this works, is to realize that the younger brother is transformed from the outside in, like Gerpa Hannah, like Francis Thompson. Um, transformed from the outside in, it's very obvious from his circumstances and from his life that he is way off track, and he's transformed from the outside in. Elder brothers are transformed from the inside out. And it is a deeper as well as a more difficult transformation. And it's all the more important. Remember Gert, after she's rescued from a younger brother lifestyle, she acknowledges becoming elder brotherish, And that she has to ask her question, herself the question, Gert, are you getting proud about not being proud? It's a very subtle kind of dis-ease. And she confesses to the Lord, you know, I've became the most horrible thing. I am a snob about snobs. I don't like people who don't like people. Elder brotherishness is a subtle disease. It's a dangerous disease. And I understand or try to understand it is me. It is me as a Christian and as a pastor And as a follower of Christ, Psalm 90, 
verse 8. Psalm 90, verse 8. You have set our iniquities before you. Describing the Lord laying out our iniquities before his throne. And then it adds, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Our secret sins are the ones that are not known to us. The Lord lays them out before himself. And many of those secret sins are elder brother kinds of sins. Pride, self-righteousness, a critical spirit, judgmentalism. All these things can become our secret sins. I love that uh, phrase, uh, denial is not a river in Egypt. Denial is a river, I would suggest, that runs through the center of an elder brother heart. Denial is deceiving and lying to yourself about yourself. And we can be lost in our failures, and as he warns us, we can be lost in our successes. I did it. I won. I'm the champion. I'm on top. All of that I stuff is elder brotherish stuff as well. So this chapter provides an opportunity again for elder brothers especially. Chapter 5 provides insight. Chapter 5 provides a way out for us. How can we do it? Well, first of all, we have to admit that we are elder brotherish if we are. It's not up for me to admit it for you. It's up to me to deal with my own sinfulness by my own self-righteousness. I will never stop being an elder brother until I acknowledge that I am an elder brother. I got to see it. It's the secret sin. It's the challenge of our lives for most of us who come to church regularly on Sunday mornings. We grow into elder brotherishness unintentionally. And so as chapter 5 ends with power, chapter 6 ends with power as well. And he writes this at the end of chapter 6. He says, We will never stop being younger brothers or elder brothers until we acknowledge our need. Lord, I need you to help me with my self-righteousness. Until we rest by faith. True rest is stop trying to fix it yourself. Try, stop trying so hard. Until we simply give up. Until we, as AA offers, let go and let God. Rest by faith. And until we gaze in wonder at the work of our true elder brother, Jesus. Gaze in wonder at the work, his love, his cross, his bloodshed, his body offered, the true elder brother who came down from heaven for us and for our salvation, who suffered and died for us and our salvation, who rescued us for us and our salvation who sent his Holy Spirit for us and our salvation. 
Chapter 5 ends with the glorious and good news, elder brothers and elder sisters, that there's a party and it's waiting to begin, really, when we come in too. That's God's hope. That's God's desire. Remember that passage from Philippians this morning. He emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. He came. He suffered. He died for us. Chapter 6 is a holy chapter. It gives us the answer. It tells us of the gift. It gives us hope, doesn't it? For all of us who are younger brothers, yes. But all of us who are older brothers, too. Let me end with this reading from this chapter. Again, focusing for the day on our tendency towards elder brotherishness. When Pharisees sin, they feel terrible and repent. They punish themselves. They may punish themselves and bewail their weakness. When they finish, however, they remain elder brothers. Remorse and regret is just part of the self-salvation project. Pharisaical repentance doesn't go deep enough to get at the real problem. What is that problem? Pride in his good deeds rather than remorse over his bad deeds, was keeping the older son out of the feast of salvation. The elder brother's problem is his self-righteousness. The way he uses his moral record to put God and others in his debt to control them and get them to do what he wants. What then must we do to be saved? To find God? We must repent of the things we have done wrong. And, I'm sorry, but if that is all you do, repent of the things you have done wrong, you may remain just an elder brother. To truly become Christians, we must also repent of the reasons we ever did anything right. Pharisees only repent of their sins. Christians repent for the very roots of their righteousness too. We must learn how to repent of the sin under all our other sins and under all our righteousness, the sin of seeking to be our own Savior and Lord. I cannot cure my tendency towards depression at times, no matter how hard I try, no matter what mechanisms or pill or physical exercise or whatever I try to do to help that. Um, it makes me totally helpless, really, and realize, I can't do it, Lord. I need you. Sorry for forgetting about you again. Help me, Lord Jesus. And all I can do is really finally save myself. I can't save you. I can save myself. You can save you. But we can be elder brothers to one another and for one another. Not the bad elder brother. We can be the good elder brother. Jesus who saves us, sends us to save others in his name, in the power of his name. Thanks be to God. Amen.